Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. This podcast episode is a replay of a live Q&A that was hosted in my free Facebook group, Tom the Trainer's Tribe. The link to Tom the Trainer's Tribe is in the description of this episode. So if you want to join the tribe and ask questions and get your questions answered personally, feel free to join the tribe. It's kick-ass community. There was some internet connectivity issues while recording this, so I apologize if they're present in the recording, but enjoy it. There's tons of value, and we'll see you in the tribe out of there soon because this is going to be exclusive for the tribe but come join us right the tribe's full of kick-ass people i've said this before i love this statement a rising tide lifts all ships come be part of a rising tide the tribe is growing it's like 240 people in the last two weeks it is absolutely amazing the vibe in there is amazing and i want to thank everybody right now watching this in the tribe um for making the tribe what it is because i'm not doing it all on my own you're making the tribe what it is with the vibe that you're bringing so i want to say thanks so let's absolutely get into some questions alina's question is about portion control She says, Alina's question is, my problem is portion control because I feel I'm not hungry enough. How do I get rid of that as well as the snacking at night? I feel like we covered the snacking at night, but I can't remember. Yeah, when it comes to snacking at night, uh, quick recap, we talked about this last week, but more than happy to mention it again. When it comes to snacking at night, move your meals to later in the day and replace your snacks with foods that are better choices than what you would eat if you didn't have them available, right? My go-to snack uh, at nighttime, I have uh, 325 grams of yogurt. I put chocolate-free, a calorie-free chocolate syrup in there. And I put like 300 or 200 grams of pineapple. Honestly, I don't even count it. I just throw in pineapples. I throw in berries. I throw in chocolate, calorie-free chocolate. It's delicious. It's a big, huge meal. And honestly, it keeps me full. All right, so problem problem with portion control. Not really 100% certain on the question of the problem with court portion control, just because the caveat to what was said there was that um, feel like I'm not hungry, okay? So I'm going to interpret this question as um, you feel as though that you're not eating enough at your meals because you're not hungry at your meals and then snacking later in the day. Um, this is why I am a huge fan, an absolutely huge fan of a high frequency eating schedule. Okay. Five to six times per day. You're never really going to be hungry. Um, you're eating frequently. You've always got amino acids for like muscle growth in your system. 
You've always got carbs for energy because we don't do keto here. Fuck that noise, right? Um, if you do keto, I'm just playing around. But um, so eat regularly, okay? Sit five to six meals per day. Eating five to six meals per day is going to make sure that you've always got amino acids present for muscle growth. And the more muscle you grow, the more calories you will burn literally just at rest, okay? So just eat more frequently, maybe smaller meals, smaller portions, more frequently throughout the day. That's the best way to eat, in my opinion. Next question is by Jared. This question is about the ideal number of sets while working out. Jared always does three sets of everything and sometimes four. How is it supposed to be? Okay. Um, when it comes to determining your sets that you should do on an exercise, there's many factors that will come into play on this. Okay. Your training style is going to play a role and a factor. If you're using a high intensity training style where you're taking sets to failure, right? And beyond with intensity methods, then one really hard set per exercise is all you need. And the sets leading up to that really hard set should be sets that are warming you up and getting you prepared for that hard set. Okay. Another way to look at the best number of reps to use, pardon me. Another great way to look at the best number of sets to use when training is looking at your overall training volume per week. Okay. So research out there is indicating that a sweet spot for muscular growth is between 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. I personally like to train muscles more frequently. So 10 to 20 sets per week. Okay. And then obviously that's total sets per muscle. Okay. So, you know, um, for example, maybe you got three sets on bench. There's three, right? You got three cable flies. That's six, right? And then um, you've got some push-ups. Okay, so there's three more. That's nine, right? And then, and then I don't know. Maybe you can finish off with just like one intensity drop set or something to take it to ten, and that would be ten total sets per training session. Okay. Another way to look at the right number of sets to do when training on a muscle group is I wouldn't exceed 10 sets per muscle per workout. And your total sets per week shouldn't exceed 20. If your total sets per week exceed 20, you're doing junk volume. And honestly, if you could do more than 10 sets total per muscle per workout, you're probably not training hard enough because you should be spent by then, right? So hopefully that helps. Uh, if you found that useful, just send me back a thumbs up in the chat. Carlos's question is, 
the best three to four exercises to get a stronger, more defined chest? I love this question. Okay. It is, it's perfect because to be honest with you, when training your chest, you want to pick exercises that accomplish four things maximum. Okay. So you want a skill-based exercise where you can load very heavily. And I would say a bench press or a version of a bench press is great for that. Okay. Skill-based exercise, not anywhere near failure. You shouldn't be failing on a bench press. You should fully contract the muscle. When you fully contract the muscle, a great exercise for that on chest is going to be a cable press where you come across the body and you kind of round your upper back, but keep your chest proud as you finish the exercise. You also want to stretch the muscle out. Variations of chest flies are phenomenal for this. I personally really like cables just because of the resistance profile where you can get load throughout the entire range of the exercise. And lastly, the fourth thing that you should do when training a muscle is kick its ass and take it to absolute failure and recruit all muscle fibers. A good selection for this is going to be a machine where you can work extremely hard. And if you fail, you don't risk injury. Is that helpful? Be like, just blad that out. <laughs> I've got reels on this topic too. Um, so use a skill-based exercise where you can load heavily and you can progressively overload. Okay. Because you can't progressively overload like you can't add weight every single week to a cable chest press. This is not going to happen, but you can probably add a little bit of weight every single week to your bench press, right? So that's why skill-based exercises, the big fundamental movements are phenomenal to warm up and they recruit the most amount of muscle per movement. Okay. So I'm a big fan of big compound movements that I call skill-based exercises Bench press to start, okay? Again, as a recap, you're training chest. You want a skill-based exercise. Bench press variations where you can load heavily and progressively overload from week to week, okay? That's number one. Next thing you want to do is you want to fully contract the pec. An amazing exercise for this is cable presses. Even better yet, have a back support and sit down on a bench, okay? You're going to protract you're going to round the upper back and push your shoulder blades against the bench while keeping your chest proud to fully contract the pec and get it to squeeze all the way in here. Don't you dare, don't you dare pick up a plate and do this. Please don't anyone in the tribe, don't let me see anyone in the tribe ever doing that, please. I'll kick you out. I won't actually, but, and then you want to stretch muscles out. So fly variations are good. Okay. And you want to recruit all muscle fibers, take the muscle to failure, use machines, chest press machines, whatever it may be, where you're taking a muscle to failure, where you don't risk injury or getting hurt by doing so, okay? Another great thing to consider is, where's the challenge in the exercise? How am I moving throughout the exercise? What speed am I moving throughout the exercise to get the most out of the exercise, okay? So for example, if I'm training chest, and I get down in the bottom in a chest fly. If I'm training chest and I get down in the bottom in the chest fly and I don't spend any time there because I'm trying not to shit my pants and get out of the exercise, you're going too heavy. 
The purpose of a chest fly is to stretch the muscle out. So use a weight where you can hang out in the bottom and really stretch the muscle out. Take a pause there because that's where the challenge of that exercise lives. Okay, so other stuff to think of. Feel amped up today. <laughs> All right, so. When it comes... Sean is asking, should you do weights first or cardio first? Um, sorry, I just trying to think how I can word this. So for most people, you should always do weight training first and then do cardio afterwards. The only time that you would do cardio first is if your goal in training is to be good at cardio. Okay. But if you're, does that make sense? So like if you want to be a good long distance runner, if you want to run a lot, you need to run a lot and you're trying to get good at running. So you should run a lot and you should run often. Okay. But in my opinion, even when that's the goal, like I would separate your cardio from your workouts and run a lot. If that were the case, uh, 99% of the time use weights to get stronger to grow muscle, and then cardio afterwards, okay? Um, there's something called the law of specificity in training, and, like, you should be making decisions in your training specific to the outcome that you want to achieve from your training, okay? So that's why, like, I do reels about, like, if you're if your goal is not to be a mass monster bodybuilder, then don't train like a bodybuilder, right? Train for fat loss if your primary goal is fat loss. The law of specificity in training matters. 100% it does. You'll still get results training any way possible versus not training, but you will get better results by applying the law of specificity. That helpful? Everybody digging this so far? Just say digging it or thumbs up in the chat. I got to make sure that my internet connection, I'm hoping my internet connection is okay. Says it's poor. I'm going to check in the back end here. Uh, glad I checked. So Jared, like on a fly. On a fly, you don't want a 3-0-3-0 tempo. Do you want a 3-2-ish tempo? So not everything's black and white. Okay. I have programmed a 3030 tempo when doing chest flies many times. Um, because my thought when I'm doing that is I want constant tension on the muscle. I want no pauses and I just want the muscle to just like flex and lengthen and flex and lengthen. And if you do that perfectly and you keep tension on the pec the entire time, it's a phenomenal tempo for um training your chest i will say when you're in the bottom of a chest fly don't like you have no business being in the bottom of a chest fly not feeling like you have the ability to control the weight okay and when you're doing a 3030 tempo on a chest fly it's not like here in a quick change of motion like when you're doing a 3030 tempo on something 
say for example on like a chest fly you want to like open up pack feel like you're controlling my arms aren't in a great position because of the cameras and stuff but when you're doing a tempo on a chest fly you want to open up pack feel like you're on pack the entire time and feel like you're contracting pack to move the exercise with a 3030 tempo you will see a lot of people in training they start the lift fast they lift fast right when they start the exercise and what are they doing they're using momentum okay think about it this way if you had a car in a ditch and you were trying to push it out of the ditch you would definitely want to explode it out of the ditch why because it would be easier to push the car out of the ditch but when we're challenging muscles in training we want to make it hard so keep that i always say to my clients um start slow contract hard think of that with the 3030 tempo 90 percent of the time or more i'm probably going to use some form of a controlled pause in the bottom of a chest fly but there's a time and place for everything um with context okay Okay. So my internet is absolutely horrible here. Can everybody hear me okay? Just say hear you okay in the chat. I apologize. I went to try to get a cable to connect the computer directly and they didn't have the cable that I needed. So I had to come back to be on time and be present here for you because like last week i was late on a live because i had inner i had camera problems i didn't want to do that this time can everybody hear me okay just say hear me okay so Alyssa has a question about what to eat how much and what time okay um Alyssa, I have a podcast on how to build your fat loss diet without giving up your favorite weekend foods. Go check it out. Tom, the trainer fitness podcast. When it comes to building, you know, when it comes to your like meal free, how much I would say, you know, cause you're, you're asking how much should I eat? That's where I would say like, listen to that podcast. Cause it's, it literally tells you, it'll literally lay things out for you. Um, I'm going to see if I can find something here. I did a story today about just like try stuff. You you all are seeing literally just like messy action. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to this stuff. This is my first real Facebook group that is like a large free Facebook group. First podcast. First time using new softwares, I'm just figuring stuff out as I go. But take that as a lesson for yourself as though like um, that applies to everything you want to be successful in life at. So if you are trying to get to your fitness goals, just take action, figure it out. I dropped... I dropped a comment in the chat. I just want to see that it's there. 
Maybe not. Okay. All right. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Um, Alyssa, I will answer your question 100%. I don't want to spend too much time trying to send you to the podcast. Um, Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. Okay. Look up Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. Uh, and it's episode number two, how to build a fat loss diet without giving up your favorite foods on weekends. So that's when it comes to how much. The simplest way that I can tell you to build your diet is to multiply your body weight by 10. The simplest way to determine your calories for fat loss without giving up your favorite foods on the weekends and being able to have a cheat meal is to set your calories by multiplying your body weight in pounds by 10. Okay. Try to eat one gram per pound of protein. And the rest is carbs and fats. Do that six days per week. And one day you can go a little higher on your calories than the others. And you will lose body fat, not give up the favorite foods that you love on weekends. Um, and you will, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Uh, and you will not hit a plateau. Pardon me. Okay. Um, I mentioned earlier on the live to, um, I'm butchering this live today. When it comes to what times to eat, I would say, again, you should spread out your meals five to six meals per day spread out evenly throughout the day. I personally like to have my first meal upon waking. My last meal is literally right before I go to bed. And then I space out the other meals evenly throughout the day. I personally also have a meal that's specifically planned out post-workout that I have immediately after my workout. For me personally, what I do with my diet for timing on foods is very simple. I have breakfast upon waking and that's seven or seven o'clock in the morning. I have breakfast at around 11 o'clock. I have my pre-workout meal. I'm starting training by 1230 around three o'clock. I have my post-workout meal around five o'clock. I have my snack midday snack meal. Around eight o'clock, I have my dinner and then I have a bedtime snack. Okay. I hope that helped. Listen, did that help? So as a recap, body weight in pounds times 10. As a recap to build your fat loss diet, body weight in pounds times 10. One gram of protein per pound to simplify it. The rest of your calories are made up of carbs and fats. Space your meals out evenly throughout the day. Space your protein and your calories out evenly throughout the day per meal. 
Any recovery ideas for tennis elbow? Um, when it comes to dealing with overuse injuries, tendonitis, tendinopathies, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, those kinds of things, any like itis um, injury, any overuse injury, you need to reduce inflammation to start. Um, what I do when it comes to tendonitis style injuries is I reduce inflammation immediately through icing it and I blast it with like non-steroidal, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories immediately. Then you have to avoid movements that aggravate the injury to down-regulate the central nervous system's response to pain. You need to get it to chill out. Then once you've gotten it to chill out, negative loading is good for tendonitis style of injuries. So the best way to do that when dealing with an elbow is to like do maybe a bicep curl, for example, and you curl up with two hands and then you let it down with one. Very lightweight, very controlled. Negative loading is good for tendonitis. Um, and then you need to slowly increase load over time without aggravating it. When you're dealing with the injury, you want to load it to the point where you may feel a little bit of discomfort after the fact but it's gone within 24 hours so that you can continue to build tolerance in those tissues through minor increases in load. To simplify it, I can go off on a rant here, but ways to progress as well to consider things is it's not just all about weight range of motion of the exercise is a factor maybe adding stability to the exercise in the position where the injury is least tolerable is a factor so these are all like ideas that you would throw at it but i i came from like a rehab specialist background to start all these certs and stuff behind me i fixed bad backs and i I was known as the guy, if you got a bump and a bruise, he'll fix you. I don't do that online because I don't think it's ethical of me to sell programs that are going to fix people's injuries because I can't just write a program that's going to fix an injury for people. There needs to be a lot of dose response, um, load response, move forward, pull back. It takes a lot of intuition. So the best thing to do when you're dealing with an injury is to deal with one-to-one -one in person, in my opinion, a rehab specialist or a physiotherapist when it comes to those. All of my clients now will probably attest if they're watching this, if they're dealing with an injury, I do give some guidance with that injury, but I always recommend that they get to a physiotherapist. And the other thing that I will say when it comes to dealing with an injury, get to a physiotherapist immediately. 
Okay. I know what I'm doing when it comes to injuries. I recently jacked up my neck. I recently had nerve issues happening on my left side of my arm. I knew what was, I had an idea as to what was wrong. I still booked an appointment with my physiotherapist immediately because he's an amazing physio and it takes like two weeks to get into him. I booked it immediately. I worked on the things that were necessary to get myself back able to train daily. And like right before I saw him from the injury, the last two times I've seen him for an injury, by the time I get into him, he's like, yeah, you got it sorted out. But I don't waste time and I do not risk not being able to accomplish my goals from a setback. So when there is a setback in place, I put a solution in place as fast as I possibly can. And that's what I would recommend when it comes to injuries. I I will say that like, I normally usually always fix my own injuries by the time I see my physiotherapist, but I still book appointment immediately. I used to not do that. And I ran into an injury in my cervical spine that was more than I could handle. And I tried to rehab it myself for six weeks before I got to the specialist, the rehab specialist, physiotherapist. He instantly knew what was wrong with it. I wasted six weeks trying to figure it out myself. I've talked about this in um, my life story and the high performance habits that will change your life. Episode one on the podcast Go to experts, go to the people who are experts in the thing that you need help with to get it fixed as soon as possible, right? I do help clients with this, but it's not something that I could like address on a live, if that makes sense, because I just don't have enough context, right? I help with clients with this, but I also tell my clients while I'm helping them with this is I send, I, I get them to go to a physio immediately, Okay deal with it as quickly as you possibly can. Tommy had some good ideas for that. Um, Steam room and sauna and ice bath. So Tommy's idea of steam room and sauna and ice bath is to put a lot of blood into the area because blood equals healing and then also reduce inflammation through the ice bath. Um, Those are good good things that could may work, but I would say physio all the way, all the way physio. Best lower back exercises for those with injuries by Rob. This is my jam. This guy, this in the background, uh, changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. I used to walk with a limp for, seven to eight years from a back injury. I met my wife, Alyssa, by helping her with her back injury. And I've rehabbed one of the, one of the groomsmen in my wedding. I fixed his back. I've, I've rehabbed many bad backs. Like I said, with the injury earlier is like, it really is something that you have to address as an individual. And you have to, you have to Use exercises that don't aggravate, build tolerance, and then progress the exercises. 
I want to help you a little bit with it is I would say pick up a book called Back Mechanic by Stuart McGill. Those concepts got me to about 85 to 90% recovered from my back injury, just the concepts of that book. And then I took things to a completely different level with a more advanced methodical approach to how I would correct things. And I actually reverted the injury all the way back to my left ankle that I blew up in 2007. But Back Mechanic by Stuart McGill is a phenomenal book for back injuries. Entry-level exercises to strengthen your core are going to be a McGill crunch or a dead bug where you keep your feet high in the air so that your heel doesn't get close to the floor. Grab a hold of your hip and wrench on your spine because there's distance equals demand and there's load that happens when you do that. It wrenches on your spine. McGill crunch is something where you lay flat on the floor and you put your hands under your low back and you keep your spine neutral. You like think like if you had a, um, think if you had like a um, popsicle stick and you could attach it to your sternum and your chin, you would keep that position. And then when you keep that position with your hands on your low back and then you lift your you lift your chest, your, your shoulder blades off the floor and you hold with one leg bent. So your foot is touching the floor. The sole of your foot is touching the floor. So your knee is making your, from your hip to the knee back to the ankle makes a triangle and the other leg is straight. So you lay on the floor with one leg straight, put kicked out the whole legs lying flat on the floor. Your, Foot, the sole of your foot on the other leg is making contact with the floor. You place your hands under your low back. You keep your chin in a neutral and your neck in a neutral position. You come up just slightly. You lift your shoulders off the floor just slightly and you hold that position. It's called the McGill crunch. I'm not saying this is good for you. I'm saying this is a good exercise for back rehab. I'm not directing anybody to do anything specific for injuries on this call. Just putting that out there. Okay. Um, Side plank variations are very, very good as well. Um, And bird dogs are very good as well. But the key to the side plank, people do horrible core exercises. They like, they do it horribly. When you're doing a side plank, your spine from your tailbone all the way up to the back of your head should be in a perfectly straight line. But people sag at the hips in a side plank and they don't, and then that grabs a hold of the the spine and it creates a, a curve in the low back. The hip is flexing towards the floor. The hip is laterally shifting towards the floor, creating a curve in the spine. That's no good. You want to stabilize your spine, not create movement in the spine. So when you're doing your side plank, you have to consider the fact that your spine needs to be straight, which means your hips can't sag. And when you're doing a bird dog, you need to control your hips and your pelvis and you need to move slowly. And same thing, your spine should be stacked in a way where your spine's not moving. But people do bird dogs where they just like kick all over the place and it's like horrible looking and and and. It's just uh, people don't know any better, unfortunately, but now you know better, okay? 
Again, I'm going to reiterate like 1000%. I'm not telling anybody to do anything specific for their rehab. These are things, these are principles for rehab for these style of injuries. Go see a physiotherapist, right? Dave's asking how much protein do I need per day? I currently weigh 80 kilograms. Uh, Dave, a really good way to determine your protein intake. If you're a fairly like a, a sorry, a really good way to determine your protein intake is your body weight in pounds times one. That's a pretty good way to look at it. But it depends. Sometimes people I set up on their protein intake is 0.8. Sometimes it's 0.75. Sometimes I have people's protein intake 1.2 grams per pound. Like it just depends. But I would say as a good rule of thumb, don't get much lower than 0.8 or 0.75 per pound. Everybody's still here. This is still really helpful. If you are watching this on YouTube, go join the tribe because I'm peacing out on you. Shauna, the best exercises to eliminate stomach fat. The best exercises to eliminate stomach fat. I'm going to be comical here. The best exercises to eliminate stomach. Oh my God. The best exercises to eliminate stomach fat are called fork put downs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you can't like reduce stomach fat specifically, but you can reduce fat overall. So the best exercises to reduce fat, in my opinion, are compound exercises, squats, bench, deadlift, rows, lat pulls, um, and variations of those exercises, planks, because they activate the most amount of muscle per movement. Uh, but at the end of the day, to lose body fat, you have to manage your calorie consumption daily, right? Um, you know, I just being a little funny with the fork put downs or whatever, uh, but there's no specific exercise to reduce belly fat specifically. We have genetic dispositions as individuals as to where we hold fat. My buddy, my bro, Jay, um, the guy is like always has abs, but when he holds body fat, he holds him, he holds it in his hamstrings and his glutes and his low back. So that's where he holds his body fat. So um, he always kind of has abs to some degree and the leaner he gets, the more prominent his abs are me, for example, I can have like striated glutes and still have a little tiny bit of lower abdomen belly fat. And it's just a genetic thing, right? So the best way to, to lose belly fat is to lose fat overall by managing your calories and, 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 and getting a, a lot of movement in a day. Um, and you know, like training regularly with compound movements, would you give you the highest return on your time invested? Lisa, some exercise for someone who suffers with fibromyalgia and chronic pain. <clears throat> um, so I know, obviously I know Lisa <laughs> quite well. She's my mother-in-law. Um, just kind of knowing like you based on like you, your position with like some of your injuries, Lisa. <clears throat> um, 
I think like your step count is something that's really, really powerful that you can play. Uh, just walking, like walking is literally like the best exercises exercise. That's the most underrated of all exercises around. Walking is great for many reasons. There's a low barrier of entry. So even somebody who like might have like really bad knees, um, and injuries that wouldn't allow for them to train their lower body because of those injuries, they can still walk. Right. So walking is great because there's a low barrier of entry. You burn a lot of calories walking, the higher your step count, the better in a day. Um, and it's really easy on your central nervous system. So like there's not a lot of stress or fatigue that takes place from walking. If you're dealing with specific injuries where maybe you don't have the tolerance to walk a lot, then like other injuries, if it were me, what I would do um, would be I set a timer and I would go for a five-minute walk. And this is part of back rehab too. You go for a five-minute walk. How did you feel from that? You felt fine. Okay, cool. So maybe I did five five-minute walks in the day and in, in a day and I felt great. Cool. The next day, I'm gonna see if I can do um seven-minute walks, right? And four of them or something. So you create a baseline, you see how well you're managing that baseline, and then you try to increase the exercise over time based upon what you can tolerate it's complex when things like fibromyalgia and stuff like that because like there's nerve stuff that happens with it but i mean you could even text me <laughs> or, or we could talk um, but i would say walking is your most powerful thing that you could do um Susan's exercises for lower back flexion, no extension. Currently unable to get down on the floor. So everything I have to do has to be from sitting, standing, bench, lying, or machine driven in the gym. Um, honestly, Susan, a really, really great tool for you. A source of information for this would definitely be the back mechanic by Stuart McGill. Um, I'm not a big fan of flexing the spine. I'm a big fan of training spine or back injuries and stuff through anti-movement by stabilizing it first. Um, and if you look at the principles of back mechanic, it's all about how do you train your spine and your core to strengthen your core in ways that don't get the spine to move because you want to limit, you want to limit the amount of movement that's taking place in your spine. Typically as a whole, especially if you're suffering from an injury. Um, so the whole concept of back rehab is creating strength around all the muscles that stabilize it and making it nice and, and rigid. That's kind of like step one. There's so much more to it than that. I don't know you specifically as an individual, so you need to talk to a physio, but I'll say my opinion on back rehab exercises 
is I try to avoid spinal movement when I'm training those exercises. Okay. So like even like a low back extension machine, when I use it, my low back doesn't go into extension. I'm braced, stable, neutral. Neutral means your spine is stacked in its natural curvature. And then I move at the hip, but I don't try to actually flex or extend my spine very often. And I'm somebody who walked with a limp for almost close to a decade, seven or eight years, um, who rehabbed his back to deadlift 465 pounds. It starts with minimizing movement of the spine. But again, you got to see a physio. And then last question here, Susan has a question about if I have 10 rounds on an assault bike, my brain and my body wants to stop at around seven. How do I break this? Um, I think we all like suffer this to some degree. And, and part of this is also like you need to recognize your personality and how you are wired this is something that I recognize. Um, you can listen to episode number seven in the podcast, I think. Um, and it talks about like how I approach individuals based upon their, their um, personality types. <clears throat> um, I think like a good thing to consider, like, I just don't give up like that. I don't know. Um, my attitude is if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I set myself to doing something, I am going to do it. And for me personally, I just look at that and this could be powerful for you as well. I look at that as having integrity with myself and what I say I'm going to do. Okay. Because if I have a mindset where when I walk into something that I say I'm going to do, I don't follow through on it. I don't believe in myself anymore mentally. Right. And no one would, if you set out to do something, if you're like, I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk. And every time you go for a 10 minute walk, it turns to nine. Subconsciously, you're telling yourself that you don't do the things you say you're going to do. And subconsciously, you don't believe in yourself, right? And confidence is the number one predictor of success. Every time that you do the thing you say you're going to do when you set out to do it, you're building confidence. You're stacking wins. The more little wins you stack in life, the bigger wins you can stack in life, okay? So I would just, the, the way that I look at it, is like, um, I just literally tell myself when I want to quit on something early, like you do what you say you're going to do. Don't you dare quit. The other thing that you could use to help with that as well is create like some external accountability. So for example, in, uh, the tribe here and in my paid client group, we call our shots on Monday. What are our goals for the week? A few weeks ago, I was doing 80 minutes of cardio per day, 20 minutes after four sessions per day. On Monday, I announced here in the tribe and I announced in my paid client group that I was going to do 120 minutes of cardio. 
I got to the cardio machine and I went, why did I say that? Why did I tell everybody I would do that? And I did it because I told everybody I was going to do it. And I will not view myself as somebody who doesn't do what he says he's going to do. So those are kind of like the, that's how I would approach things mentally. When it comes to, when you say you're going to do something, when you say, when you are set out to accomplish something, do it. It's about having integrity with yourself. It's about stacking little wins. Everything that you do that you said you were going to do is a, is a stacking of a win and is a, and is a, is a increase in self-confidence. Don't you dare let yourself down by not following through on it. We all have those thoughts of quitting and it's not, you shouldn't feel bad about having those thoughts of quitting. You should only feel bad if you feed into those thoughts and you actually quit. We can't control the thought of quitting because our brain psychologically does not like discomfort. It's a survival mechanism. You start getting far into cardio, there's discomfort that takes place. Your brain, fight or flight, often will respond with flight. So it wants you to stop. Don't you dare give in to that thought. You can't control that first thought. You can always control the second thought. And I think that that's a really great thing to leave on. Um, I hope everybody found this extremely useful. I feel like it was an okay one. I feel like I kind of got a little bit tongue-tied at times and, and butchered it a little bit. Just give me feedback in the chat. If you think I did good, just say did good or it was useful. Uh, and thanks everybody for your questions. Love doing these. Absolutely love, love, love doing them. Uh, and appreciate all of you in the tribe for making the tribe uh, this awesome kick-ass space that it is becoming, uh, not even is becoming, that it is already. And uh, for anybody listening to this who's not in the tribe, you know what to do. Go join the tribe. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at Tom the Trainer Fitness.